Hello and welcome to season four of the Bible and Me podcast. This is episode three of 12 in this series. So join us on this journey as we discover some incredible testimonies of people whose lives have been well and truly changed for the calling of God. In this episode, Nigel Watts sits down with Tony Wilson, pastor of Friary Christian Fellowship, to discuss how any situation that we are in can be a great opportunity to share the gospel and why starting his day without his word changes his whole outlook of the day. The views expressed by the individual in this podcast may not reflect that of Preset Ministries UK. We hope this podcast inspires you in your daily walk and would love it if you could leave a review or rating so that we can encourage more people to the good news of the gospel. Now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Welcome to the Preset Bible and Me podcast. I'm delighted that Tony, you're with us here today. You are the pastor of the Assemblies of God Church here in Salisbury. You're a trained accountant. Uh, you have been involved in major IT companies. You love computers. Uh, you were saved at 17 at school. Uh, you're involved in, in a number of charities as a trustee. Um, you're clearly a busy guy. Um, and I'm just delighted to hear how God has been working in your life. And, and the place of the Bible in that as well. So I'm just going to start with a very, um, I guess, an obvious question. You know, how did you, how did you become a Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, did you know about Jesus from a very young age? How did, how did all that happen? Well, first of all, it's a delight to be here and to share something of my story. Um, I was certainly not brought up in a Christian home. I was brought up in a very loving family, two parents that stayed with each other. Uh, I had a brother and a grandmother, uh, but church and Christian living was not a part of it at all. If you had said to my parents they weren't Christians, however, they would probably be most offended. Uh, I think they just sort of adopted a a sense of Christian morality, uh, but that had nothing to do with a faith or church going or anything like that. And so I had no background really in church life. And... um, there were a number of things that happened in my childhood that gave me a, a realization that there was a God or a supreme being or something. One of the little incidents was when I was at primary school, and because we, we all believe what our teachers tell us, don't we? <laughs> and the teacher told us about the snowflakes, that they all had six points and they were all perfectly symmetrical. I did not believe her because I saw that in nature everything was haphazard. And for that to be so beautifully and intricately designed left an impression upon me. And that kind of stayed with me. And I was aware that yes, there was something more out there, but I couldn't understand what it was or appreciate uh, anything to do with God. It really wasn't until I was in the sixth form of a grammar school that I was brought face to face with the gospel message. We had a, a student join us who was clearly a very fervent born again Christian. Spent his time going on about church life and the Bible, really a pain, getting up everybody's nose, <laughs> nobody liked him at all. And um, he eventually 
invited myself and two friends to a church meeting, uh, which I wasn't particularly inclined to go to. Apparently they were going to have a guitar group in their church, which in those days was very revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably the thing that swayed it for me was that there were going to be girls there, because <laughs> we were in a boys' school. <laughs> so I, I went along to this church meeting and there was the guitar group and uh, there was a, a speaker from a young man from a theological college that was going on about Jesus Christ and a lot of religious stuff that I didn't take a lot of notice of. And uh, at the end of the meeting, uh, the young people were invited to go to the church hall at the back and I thought, well, yeah, that would be uh, good to do. And, I might achieve my ambitions. <laughs> so it, and it was a bit of a calm, quite honestly, because you know there was just more talk about Jesus and God and that kind of stuff. Not much talk about the sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end of the session, I, I guess he must have given some sort of gospel message, uh, which had gone over the top of my head. But I, he, he may have given an appeal, or I remember him saying. If, if you wanted to make a decision or if you had any questions about the Christian faith talk to this guy afterwards and I thought to myself well I, I ought to try and put this guy right <laughs> and so I, I got hold of him at the end and said look mate I you know all this stuff about God I can understand God because I know somebody made all these things I, I can I can see that but Jesus Christ, I don't get that bit at all. I really don't understand what Jesus had to do with it and why he's emphasised as being so important. And um, he replied to me along the lines, which I think is something taken from C.S. Lewis, about how you have to believe either that everything he said was true or that he was totally mad and deranged. And of course that latter option didn't fit with the rest of his character and the things that he did. And so I was kind of persuaded by that and he talked some more. And as he talked to me, I, I just kind of felt that I was being sucked into this thing. And he eventually reached the point where he said, well, would you like to make a commitment of your life to the Lord? And I said, well, I don't actually know if any of this is true. But if it is true, I cannot afford to miss this, wow. if it really is true. Wow. And so we went into a little room at the back of this church hall full of smelly PE equipment and stuff. <laughs> and we prayed a prayer that I don't, I'd never prayed a prayer in my life before, so I had to have a bit of help with it. But it, it went along the lines of something like, um, God, if there is a God, and if you exist, and if what this bloke says is true, I want to receive Jesus as my saviour. And I didn't know if any of it was true, but I was very sincere in what I said. And God took that, he saw the sincerity of my heart. And all I can say is by the time I finished praying this short prayer, with a bit of help, I, I, tears were streaming down my face. And I knew something had happened. 
And you've got to remember, I was like a tough 17-year-old, you know, we don't cry, we don't do that kind of stuff. Something clearly had happened. I knew that there was a radical transformation had taken place. And um, since that day, I've been trying to understand what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Uh, I, just a couple of things I just wanted to highlight, well, just to bring from, your, from what you just said there about that, there was something in you that you knew there was a God, um, you talked about the snowflake story. It reminded me uh, in Romans chapter 1, uh, there's lovely verses uh, in the second half of Romans chapter 1, uh, which says that, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has showed it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Uh, so there, without excuse, and then it goes on. So, in a sense, what you're bearing witness to is that there is that sort of God-shaped hole in all of us. Yeah. Um, God has made himself known, and um, as a young age, you, you recognise that. But the other thing that I think is really so wonderful is that there, it was a simple invitation. Yeah. It was an invitation, wasn't it? Hey, come along. And of course, you then got to make a choice. Am I going to go? Am I not going to go? And, you know, whatever the motives are, and I can, I can totally... I get that. Well, you know, actually, I don't want to hear about this God stuff. I'm, I'm going to be some pretty women there. You know, as young guys, we can all relate to that. And um, in my own story, I can relate to that, I know. And uh, But you heard the gospel, and I think that's another thing. That's yeah. another amazing thing. The gospel was clearly preached. And again, uh, that, those lovely verses in, um, in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's something very powerful about a clear explanation of the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Which clearly on that on that evening when you were 17, God pierced your heart. And uh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Well, those verses in Romans that you've just read, I've used those many times as a starting point for conveying the gospel message because I think everybody, if if they're honest, can see that the world didn't just evolve, there is design, there is a creator. And then you can move on from there and start to talk about how he has revealed himself to us, uh, specifically through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's always been a good way into sharing the message of the cross with people. Wonderful. So you, you, you became a Christian at that point and you say, and then you start, the journey starts, doesn't it? Um, and, uh, were there any sort of immediate changes that you detected having having you know having had that experience on that on that evening uh, was there a radical change did you stop doing things that you were doing before how how were those early times weeks months um having given your life to the lord well i think like many new converts it was all brand new and just exciting and i remember because this happened on a sunday on the monday morning i turned up to school with my two mates that had been with me and this chap who brought us and as we assembled together in the classroom I said hey guess what I've become a believer and so they they all laughed they thought I was taking a mick and they <coughs> I thought no no it's really true and uh, good on you, good on you. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anything else about it at all you didn't get beaten up I didn't get beaten up they just uh, they they didn't think I meant what I said. Over time, they got to understand that, yes, something had happened and something had changed. And of course, 
my parents realised something had changed, like I wanted to go to church on Sunday. And uh, their attitude was, well, it's a phase, you'll kind of get over it. <laughs> we'll let you do that, you know, it's not a problem. And of course it didn't change. But yes, I had some wobbles, I had some ups and downs. I found it difficult to serve God without that encouragement that you so often get when you're surrounded by Christian people. And so uh, I don't think I was a, a model Christian by any means in my early years. I found that some of the things that I used to do, I just didn't want to do anymore. We always used to go out on a Saturday night and have a few drinks and go to a dance. And um, I carried on doing that because nobody told me any different. <laughs> and, and then one Saturday, I just suddenly felt, I don't want to go tonight. And so I didn't go, and I never went again. And it wasn't like anything conscious that said, well, this is wrong, we should do it, or anything. It was just God working in my life and trying to sort things out for me. And so, yes, some, some changes, but not, not radical transformations. No, it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I, think, I think, you know, in God's amazing grace, I think he... he, he he does little by little, you know. I think if, if he was to do all the changes all at once, uh, then we would be, you know, we, we probably couldn't, couldn't take it. Yeah. So he's very gracious in that, isn't he? And um, where, where did the Bible feature in this sort of, in, 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 at this time? Um, I mean, before we, we started the, this um, recording the interview, you mentioned that um, actually you had a real hunger to, to to read the Bible, how, how did that work itself out? Well, that didn't come straight away. Mm -hmm. um, they told me I ought to read the Bible. I didn't have one, there wasn't one in the home, but um, somebody found one for me, an old King James Version, and I, I struggled with that. Um, I recognised one or two of the Bible stories from when I was at school, uh, but mostly it was hard work and I couldn't get along with it. Um, but then, uh, a year after the time I was saved, something quite remarkable happened. Uh, I was saved in a Church of England, and um, I got to know one or two people, and I met these two girls who went to a Pentecostal church. And um, one time they, they said to me, they'd had this wonderful experience, and God had baptised them with the Spirit, and they'd been spoken in tongues, and, I'd heard of this, and I was cross-questioning about it. I said, well, how did this happen? And asking them questions, and uh, their knowledge of the subjects was very limited theologically. And so, in the end, one of these girls said, in exasperation, she said, well, well why don't you come talk to my mum? <laughs> <laughs> so I was introduced to her mum, who lived not far from us, and um, talked about what had happened, and this was an experience that was available to all believers. And of course, we'd never talked about this in our church. It was, um, you know, for those weird people in the church down the road sort of thing. But all I can say is that after uh, we talked about it and prayed together, I cannot explain what happened, but I think I shot across the room. Something amazing happened. I knew that God had filled me with his spirit. And then in 
days and weeks to come, I discovered I had a new heavenly language, but that was quite transformative in my Christian life. And I think the biggest change was in what you were asking me about, reading the Bible. All of a sudden, I had this tremendous hunger to read the Word of God. And every evening, I would sit in my room and just devour it, read it, analyse it, look things up, open it up, wherever it, the Bible fell open, things were, were, were there that I connected with. And um, that has gone on and developed. That was, I think, the major change that took place at that time. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit of God living in you, giving you that, that desire to learn more about himself, about God, about Jesus, uh, giving you that desire to read his word. So, yeah. so um, maybe Tony, the, um, or, or you came to a point where you, you were struggling to read and understand the Bible, and then all of a sudden you had a real hunger and, and a desire to to read it, and uh, I guess God, God would have been teaching you as you were reading it. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, then you um, you trained as an accountant, so you obviously got the numbers. <laughs> um, my brother-in-law's an accountant, actually, and my nephew is just trained to be an accountant. And um, So how did that go, um, and how did your exams go? <laughs> oh, right. Well, uh, you're right. I, I got a job uh, with, our, with the local council as a trainee accountant, and uh, they alongside my, my work for them in the accountancy and audit departments, I was able to go away and study and uh, take these exams. Um, sadly, I never passed the exams. Uh, there were other things in my life that were more interesting. One of them was uh, all the church activity, of course. Uh, the other one is, was spending the weekends with my fiance, whom I later married. <laughs> and so, uh, ex exams and accountancy got put on the back burner and uh, I, I never actually qualified as, as an accountant. I still have a penchant for numbers and things like that. Yeah. I'm good at remembering phone numbers and, and car registration numbers. Well, I can't remember people's names. <laughs> accountancy is very difficult. I mean, my nephew's going to the training at the moment. I tell you what, he's, he's failed a couple of his exams and they're, they're really, they're really, really tough. So. So I take my hat off to anybody that's passed any accountancy exams, um, but uh, and I'm sure I guess you know being a church leader and the whole you know money side of church has is, is, is been very helpful in that as well. Yeah. Um, but um, you also then uh, became very interested in computers, and actually uh, for a lot of a lot of time you you worked with some large companies. Um, managed projects and, and later became a, a consultant. What I'm interested to know is how did how did your faith and uh, living out your Christian life work day to day in a secular environment? I mean there will be many people today who, who for who for that, that, that happens. Um, they're Christians but they're living in, 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 in the world in business. Um, how did that how did that work out for you? Well I can't say I was always a good example of Christian living in a secular environment, but people in the various workplaces where I was, they, they knew of my beliefs and they were generally respectful of those. Uh, from time to time, I had the opportunity to share those with other people. I actually found the best time um, to talk about my faith was actually in the pub. 
believe it or not, uh, folk are relaxed. And yeah. the, the latter part of my working life, uh, I used to do a lot of traveling up and down the country. I worked with um, salespeople, you know, all beer gut and bluster, those sort of guys. And uh, we used to invariably meet up in pubs and overnight stays in hotels and things like that. And after a few beers, they would relax and, you know, I, I wasn't certainly drinking to the extent <laughs> they were, but uh, they would often ask about uh, my, my faith in Christ and, oh yeah, you know, how wonderful that must be. And I had some good opportunities mm -hmm. to share with people who, in the normal course of events, might never have met another Christian. And so I do thank God for that. And I thank God for everybody that's serving God in, in a secular capacity. And you're just as much a minister as those of us that call ourselves that. Sometime after I left work, I had a phone call from uh, one of the salesmen that I'd worked with several years earlier. He managed to find me. And uh, I was quite surprised to hear from him. And he said, uh, do you recognize me? Here I am, you know, he was one of these guys. And uh, he said, I just thought I'd better ring you to tell you something. He said, uh, do you remember when we used to drive around the country in a car and, and uh, used to talk to me about Jesus and God and all that sort of stuff? And uh, I, I just wanted to tell you, I've become one. He oh, said, amazing. he said, my, uh, my wife took the kids to some playgroup in a church and uh, they invited us on an alpha course and I've come to know the Lord and I just want to say thank you for what you've done and I, I just praise God for that because it was such an encouragement to me but it also identified the fact that we are probably having an influence on other people's lives mm -hmm. that we never ever know about he didn't have to ring me up um, but Maybe there are others out there, and there will certainly be people that each of us have influenced just through our conversation and our living in day-to-day -day life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've reminded me of that lovely, lovely verse in 1 Peter 3. Um, you talk about travelling and, and you know, you're, you're staying in a hotel, whatever, and uh, having a meal with, with buddies at work. And uh, this lovely verse which says that um, in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, uh, in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And obviously you had a relationship with these guys, um, you know, and uh, it was just a natural thing that you were able to talk about it. So, that, so that's, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I was going to say something else there. Um, yes, I know what it was. Just for those of you that may be listening, um, I would just encourage you, from what Tony's just said here, to think about uh, that person or, or, or people, group of people, who were really instrumental in your own journey of coming to faith. And if you haven't ever thanked them, written to them, Facebooked them, whatever, then maybe you, maybe, uh, you could do that, because um, that would be a great encouragement to that person. Uh, we know from the writings of Paul, don't we, when he, when he wrote to the churches and he heard back from the churches and he heard how they were doing in their faith, mm -hmm. that was such an encouragement to him, particularly churches that he knew were going through such difficult times. I think about the Thessalonians particularly. 
he, he encouraged them in their faith and their walk and that was a great encouragement to him so so yeah just uh, just think about that and uh, in my own life I think of uh, two or three people uh, one of whom was a Baptist minister in Andover lovely guy called Frank Cook who's gone to be with the Lord just amazing how the Lord used him and uh, another guy within the ministry actually a guy called Bob Breen and his wife Diana so instrumental and it's good to go back and thank those people isn't it yes it is for what they've done yeah um and in a sense you know we are their spiritual children and and there will be as a result of maybe the work that that we get involved with others come to christ and they are actually those people's grandchildren spiritual grandchildren and so it goes on yeah so that's really wonderful um can i just talk to you now about um the bible and um how do you how do you study the Bible? I mean, obviously you're, you're regularly preaching and teaching and involved in, in leading your church. Um, how, do you, how do you study the Bible? How, how does that work for you? Uh, and what helps maybe have you found in, in studying it? Well, I, I can't remember way, way back, but I've, for very many years, I've got in the habit of doing it in a certain way. And um, what I do, and this normally happens in the morning, um, I get up, I make a cup of tea and a piece of toast, and I sit in the armchair, and uh, I, I read um, from the Bible, and I read it sequentially, from the beginning to the end, um, three or four chapters a day, depending how long the chapters are, and that's been my habit, my practice for so many years now. Um, I Sometimes I would... I probably will stop maybe at the end of um, Kings or something and then do the New Testament. So I probably do the New Testament twice for, for every once that I do the Old Testament. But I just find reading it sequentially gives you uh, the flow, the understanding of what's gone previously. Uh, and that's been the way I've done it for, for years and years. And it works. I, I... So for those who may be struggling to have a regular time of reading of reading the word. Now, I, I'm reminded of uh, um, going to an army Christian camp years ago, and uh, Dick Lucas was there, uh, you know, well-known preacher, and, and he, he said uh, to us all, he said, you know, if you, if you want to grow in your faith and understand of God, then you've got to read the Bible. And, uh, and, I, and I said, yeah, I went up to him after, yeah, I know I need to read the Bible. I struggle to read, I was never good at English at school. Um, you know, can you give me any advice? He said, well, I just suggest you just pray about it and see what the Lord does. So, so I did. And actually, that's exactly what happened. That hunger to study and read came. Mm. And um, actually, I got up five minutes early in the morning. I set my alarm five minutes early. I thought I was doing God a favor, actually. Yes. How arrogant was I? <laughs> uh, and I set the alarm, I got up, and, uh, and so it became a regular habit. But I'm sure that many people out there actually that struggle with this, uh, maybe in the business of life, they've got young kids, whatever, I mean, have you got any advice for those people? Because it's such a wonderful thing to be able to do, to, to have that routine, that regular routine of just sitting quietly, reading the Word, listening, you know, being sensitive to the Spirit as you do. How, what advice would you give to, to people that would love to do that but struggle to do that? Yeah. Well, what you've described is best, really, if you are able to have that regular time. Um, I've, I found the morning is, is best because... You, your mind is alert. I'm, I've become a morning person. I wasn't always a morning person. <laughs> I used to have trouble getting out of bed, but I find I get up very early. I can 
read the Bible and if there occasionally is a time when something else is going on and I, I miss that time then it bothers me throughout the day and I try to find a time when I can sort of catch up in the evening or something like that. Um, I'm one of these people that um, go by habits and you know make a point of ensuring that I've done something and it worries me if I haven't completed that task. Yeah. Uh, and so once, you, once people get into those sort of habits, I think that is helpful, but you've just got to do it, you've just got to engage, and after a period of time, I think that becomes second nature, just part of your life, what you do. The analogy that I sometimes give, I love it, we've both spoken about um, you know, the fair sex and, uh, and all that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I'll ask, I'll ask uh, people a question. I say, well, look, if, you know, you've met this girl and, and uh, you, you fancy her. And, and I, I say, well, how, how, how are you going to get to know this girl better? You know, how, how's that going to happen? They say, well, no, we won't go spend time with her. You know, I'll, go and I'll drive across the continent to go and see her. I'll you know, do whatever it takes. Yeah. And I say, well, how are we going to get to know God better? And it's exactly the same. We need to spend that time, don't we? Of course. We've got to spend that time. And, um, and I think also... Uh, as one starts to do that, one starts to um, spend that time alone, no distraction. Uh, I actually have some army green ear defenders that I put on because uh, we live on a busy road to cut out all the noise. But I'm sitting there reading the Bible doing that. And my wife thought I was crazy when I started to do that, but um, it's helpful for me. And then, and then that relationship grows, doesn't it? And, and God teaches us. Yes, it does. And I also realised that not everybody could do it the way I've described because they would come across passages that are perhaps difficult to comprehend etc so uh, and of course I have the same problem from time to time it's got better over the years I've better understanding of what the Bible's talking about um, but I, I do have commentaries and uh, concordances and all of those sorts of things I can refer to um, but certainly if you're just new to it and you're starting out then get yourself some Bible study notes or some system uh, that will oh, Sorry. enable you to Sorry. yeah so if you need help doing it then get some material that will help you yeah. Bible study notes, something like that it's something that um, everybody needs to do, and you you need the equipment to enable you to do it. Yeah, I think I think I mean that is our heart as a ministry. Obviously, as as a, as a ministry of precepts, is to to come alongside people and to help people to do that. As I said to you before, I I massively struggled at school uh, with English. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I, I, I wish I knew about these simple skills of um, asking questions of the text and marking and all that stuff. It's so it's so helpful. It's it's sort of active. Bible study rather than necessarily passive study. Sure. And it's so helpful. Sure. So, so yeah, so if, if any of you out there are struggling to do this, then um, pray. <laughs> it's always good to pray. And um, and then just make a decision. Sometimes we just need to make a decision, don't we? And um, and just do it. And I know it takes time to set in, uh, set up new routines. You know, it can take a, a while to get into a new routine. And, um, and stuff happens in life that may knock our routine off. But uh, I think it's a habit of life. You know, we, we eat, we brush our teeth. You know, we make time for those things. Yeah. 
and this is uh, this is really important in our journey of faith. Um, I would love to ask you, uh, in all your reading of the Bible over all the years, is there a particular book or a particular Bible character that is your favourite or one that you, I don't know, you've learnt um, more from than others? And I know that's a tough question, but, um, but there may be a particular book or character. It, it is a tough question because, I, you know, I love the whole Bible and even, you know, the obscure books of the Bible, I get something out of those. Uh, similarly with um, the characters of the Bible, uh, the folk there that I identify with, and I think Nehemiah would be one that I would choose, perhaps. Um, Why Nehemiah, do you think? Why Nehemiah? Well, he, he was a guy that was going to, uh, uh, was, was involved in a very secular job, cupbearer to the king, and yet he was motivated, he was passionate about this task that he wanted to do, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he sets about it and he was not distracted in what he, he was going to do. He, he, he went for it and he achieved something in God. And uh, I don't read anything negative about Nehemiah's life. I think he's a real, real good example of somebody that wasn't necessarily a, a, a prophet or a priest, uh, but someone that really made a mark for the Lord. I would totally agree with that. I think um, <clears throat> it is a tremendous um, story of leadership, yep. of courage, and you know we see um, when he gets back to Jerusalem pretty shortly thereafter, he casts a vision to rebuild the walls, there's opposition. Yes, and I'm sure you you've noticed it in your life as you sense God move you to do something or to try and achieve something on behalf of God, some new project, something. Then um, there's opposition. People will come along and try and knock you off, off track and say, "No, you can't do it. You haven't got enough money. You haven't got, got people. Whatever it is." But I, I so agree with you, um, Nehemiah, and, and I love in in particular in chapter six where we just see him him uh, the walls are half built. He's and the enemy is, is, we can see, increasing in their um, opposition to him. And it goes from a sort of general opposition to people to a specific opposition to Nehemiah himself. And in that chapter, time and time again, as they come and try and knock him off track, they call him, don't they, down to the plain of oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and if anybody ever asks you to go to the plain of oh no, then you know what your answer's gonna be. But it, it's just every time it's no, no, no. And again, I would encourage those who may be listening, who you sense the Lord is calling you for a particular mm. task, however small or large it may be. But if it's from the Lord, then I would just I would just encourage you to stick with it, hold fast, don't be knocked off track. And uh, just some great lessons to be learned from Nehemiah. We actually have a fantastic study on the book of Nehemiah, uh, which we've recently done in our staff time. Yeah. And it's just a great, great story. So. Any others? Well, just to say, don't be afraid of failure either, because yes, Nehemiah succeeded in his task, mm -hmm. uh, but very often people will not embark on tasks because yes, there may be others trying to discourage them, but also there is also within us very often a fear that, you know, what happens if this doesn't work out? And it doesn't always. Yeah. So what do we do? We just carry on and keep going. Yeah, absolutely.
Sorry, what was it you asked me? No, I, you mentioned Nehemiah. Um, I yeah. just wondered if you had any others. Um, I detected you may have had, had others that you thought were... Well, let, let me give you another Bible character then that um, you, you could probably say is one of my favourites, but certainly not one that I would choose to emulate. Uh, one that might surprise you. Pontius Pilate. <laughs> Here is a guy who, yeah, we all know he's the villain of the piece. He was the one that um, condemned Jesus to death. But if you read his story, he clearly knew who Jesus was. He understood part of what was happening. And he was fearful that if he went too far with his inquiry, that he would come unstuck. And so he ends up making a, a, a decision which lands on the wrong side of the fence. And I think he is so much like very many people today because uh, there are people out there that either know the truth of the gospel or they are scared to know the truth of the gospel because it demands a response which they are not prepared to make. Mm -hmm. And like Pontius Pilate, so many people prefer to be accepted, prefer to do the things that they're being pressured to do, uh, rather than make the difficult decisions. So I think he's very interesting character in the Bible. Uh, not, uh, I mean, you said a favourite character, not favourite from the point of view of what he did, uh, but in terms of uh, what we can learn from, from his life or the little bit of it we know about. And what would you say to people for whom that is the situation today? Make the right decision. Don't be afraid. Uh, yes, it's tough. Yes, it may cause you some unpopularity. But there are eternal consequences of that decision. If you make a decision for things like Pontius Pilate did and things of this life, yes, you might have popularity, you might have uh, wealth, you might have things in this life, but that is just a microcosm of eternity. We need to think about the eternal values, that is so, such more important. Tony, it's been an absolute delight and a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've loved it. Thank you. And I just want to finish off <clears throat> with a wonderful verse, which I think in a way describes, Tony, of what you've been talking about. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new. Amen. Fantastic. Tony, uh, we're coming to the end of our time together and uh, what we like to do is just to ask people if they have a favourite Bible verse and, um, and maybe why it's your favourite Bible verse. So, so do you have one and would you like to share that with us? I have lots of favourite Bible verses. <laughs> but there is one that's been with me really since the, today I got saved almost and it's from Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. And it says this, Come now, 
and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. And it was really just the thought of God reasoning with us and being a reasonable God. And perhaps that came out in my testimony a little bit, that there are reasonable things for us to believe as we look at the world round about us and as we see God's plan of salvation. And the, the very thought that uh, God would reason with us show us things that would draw us to himself and forgive our sins in the way it describes. Absolutely marvellous. Tony, wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us uh, this morning. And the Lord continue to bless you and the work you're doing here in Salisbury. And um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Bible and Me podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave a rating or review. If you want to find out more about Precept Ministries UK, visit www.precept.org.uk. Thank you.